to tell the truth, there are so many kids that are adopted to this country in the United States from Eastern Europe. They cry all the time. I connect with them because I know how it is. I know how refugee life is. I've been there, I've been in the tent. I know how desperate they feel. Some of my students cannot come to school because their parents back home need help. They need some money to get just a single meal. When you have a hope, you're gonna make it through. I tell my student, wake up in the morning and look at the mirror and say, I look great, I'm strong, and I can make it to the next level. Hello, I'm Paul Munir, the Executive Director of the Youth Intervention Programs Association, and I'm a youth worker at heart. How lucky am I? I have the privilege to meet youth workers from around the globe and learn their stories and share them with the entire world. I'm glad you're listening because together we'll learn how their life experiences shape their youth work. As you listen, I encourage you to consider how your experiences shape what you have to offer young people. Welcome to this edition of The Passionate Youth Worker. Hi, everybody. For this episode, we're joined by Francis Yinjestic from Minnesota here in the United States. Francis is a career counselor with the Hubert H. Humphrey Job Corps, where he supports young people on their journey into the working world. He likes to tell his story, and unlike a lot of our guests on The Passionate Youth Worker, he's told it many times. We are delighted to have him as a guest. Francis, thanks for joining us. Thank you, sir. Uh, Thank you for inviting me for this moment. I really feel honored to be here to share my story with the rest of the people in the world. Yeah, I'm eager to learn more and to share your story with everybody. And I can see why you tell your story. Quite honestly, Francis, it's pretty fascinating. In fact, it starts at a very early age in kind of a dramatic sort of way. Let's start talking about your auntie. Will you talk about her and what she did to literally help you survive? Yeah. Again, I'm from East Africa, born in central Uganda, which is Kampala area, back in the 70s. I was raised by my grandma. It's not my aunt, but my aunt was also there. I was taken in by my grandma when I was very young. She did a great job because she has to breastfeed me. And I was taken to the farm where we, you know, we raised animals and girls. And my grandpa and my grandma managed to bring me to the world that I'm here in today. It was not easy back then. You know, it's during the 70s and things are tough, whether in Uganda or within East Africa. But with the power of my grandma, she empowered me to be who I am. I managed to do all that I have to do in East Africa. I continue going to school, whether I'm going barefooted, hungry, with one meal or nothing. But I stick into my goals that I will not let my grandma down. And the only one my grandma will tell me is, you can do it. Don't wait for somebody to tell you, you cannot do the ABCD. You are great you make it through. Yes, with that power, today I here I am. I'm in Minnesota. I managed to do what I have to do. I'm working with young people from Burma, from all over the world, East Africa, West Africa, Europe, Eastern Europe, whether Ukrainian, whether Russians. I have those students with me 
for last 14 years here at Jopwa, that's what I do. I guide them through to make sure that their lives are going to be better tomorrow. It's wonderful that your grandma instilled such wonderful values in you and such a sense of hope and optimism and a belief in you that you could pretty much accomplish what you wanted to do with your life. And you were in need of the nutrients and her ability to breastfeed you kept you alive. I know when we were talking, you're saying that's important. So not only did she give you the gift of life, she also gave you the gift of hope and optimism. And you carry that forward. Did you feel like your grandma's a part of you and a major influence of your personality and who you've become as an adult in this world? I'm going to say the rest of the women in the world, mothers in the world, whether grandma, grandparents, more especially those ones who carry us for all the nine months. I still give credits to my mom. Mm-hmm. She made the right choice yeah. to give me away to my grandma. She knows very well that I will succeed and I'll be alive. Yeah. If I was to stay with my mom, probably I would have not been here. Yeah. We got we got two other siblings that followed right there. You know, it's that times, you know, but controls are not there. I don't blame them. But mom, my mom was wise enough to say, Grandma, you are young. You can take care of him. And again, nutrients was not there. But guess what? We did the power of what Grandma had. She made me here. And I know there are so many kids out there who thinks, their mom has abandoned them or they gave them for adoption. Guess what? Whether it's from Russia, whether it's from other countries that you get adopted, it is a right choice. The nine months that your mom carried you is great. She did what she has to do. That is, you have to call that, that's a golden blessing that you will never got it somewhere. Now, if you are raised by grandma, please hang in there. I made it through. I made it from the dusty place that I came from, and I'm here. Whether you're in South Africa, whether in Eastern or Europe, Eastern Europe, I know some of the stories I'm telling you relate to you. Whether you're from Afghanistan, Burmese, Rohingyas, all these people who are going through refugee camp, some of us face those lives. I don't have to go to all the politics in Uganda back in the days where even my own family got kicked out and my dad has to relocate to South Sudan. Here I am. Yeah, and your mother actually made a very important decision and it had to be hard for her. That motherly love to give up her son had to be really difficult, but it was the most maternalistic thing to do because you needed that extra support and that the kind of thing that only your grandmother at that time was able to provide to you. And here you are in the United States, working with all kinds of other immigrant young people and sharing your story of hope and optimism that they can accomplish what they want out of life too. And I want to talk about your education and your work here, but let's talk about what it was like when you first came to the United States. How old were you and what was that experience like when you set foot in the United States. It had to be really difficult. So when I, when I left Uganda, I completed what we call the HSC. That's the highest level before you go to university. That was 1998, 1999. I completed the uh, senior six. That was in a school called Kitanti. And then from there, my golden chance of coming to the United States came. A family came here. They invited their 
parents and one of the young person that invited me to come with that family was my greatest young, I can call it a hero that invited me to be in part of that family. And when I landed here, I remember very well, it was October 28th. I wanted to go back. Really? Back in the days that 99, the whole Minnesota is snow by this time. I was like, I'm not going to survive here. It's a very different environment, different culture, different people. I'm used to where in Kampala, you see 500 people are all looking like me. I was like, am I going to make it through here? But guess Mm -hmm. what? I did survive that time. A few months later, I was like, I'm working. I was working in a gas station. I was making that money. I started planning. And again, going back to my grandma, my grandma used to give me what we call quarters, small money. You mm-hmm. have to save it up. Then that click in my head, grandma saying, when you go somewhere, the first thing is don't spend everything on anything. Make sure the day that you feel hungry, take something and spend it. And I started looking at what my grandma said, don't ever go and pick food from somewhere that is going to cost you. In others, don't go and steal. You can live for two, three days without food. So all that came to me. I was like, okay, grandma, I'm going to make it. But then she was still younger, 99, she was still young. So I pick a phone and I call grandma. Like, I left Africa. And then she's like, what? <laughs> she don't know what America is. and. I was like, okay, I'm in a different world, but I'm going to be okay. And then grandma also told me when I left my village, that's in the northern part of the country to Kampala, she said, don't forget to come home. I will remain here. I'm going to wait for you to come see me. I said, grandma, I'm in the United States, but I'll come and see you. All that success that she did, I fulfilled by following what she has told me. And all this for the kids out there, whether you're working with youth, whether you are youth yourself, whether you are working with young people, you need to empower them. You need mm-hmm. to make them believe that there will be some people. Sometimes when you are young, you are desperate. When you are working with refugees in the camp, they don't know where they're going to end. But it's just going by miracle that I'm in the United States. I'm able to get my education. I managed to serve this country in, in a in a way that I can serve. And that's what is so impressive. You came here. I know when we were getting to know each other, you talked about you even had to at times ask people for food. You just really came with literally nothing. And you have made something of yourself in a very meaningful sort of way, but you also give back so much. You now are working with young people, but you also served in the military Yes. I think before you went on to get your education, can you talk about what drove you to serve in the military and defend this country when it was so new to you in the first place? So I'm going to summarize it just quick. First, before I left Uganda, my dad wanted me to serve. And by then I was very young. He wanted me to join the Uganda army. So I was very young. I decided again to relocate to my grandma. Mm -hmm. And then six months later, he passed away. And so when I came to United States, well, 2021 came around, I started college. And two, few months later, September 11 came up. And before the end of the day, I find that I have to pay 8000 And then September 11 happens. But before I left East Africa, also, we had the, uh, the terrorist attack in, uh, in East Africa, Kenya and Tanzania, where so many 
people got killed. Most of them are people who look like me. 200 of them, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. And the president of the United States called young people to serve in the, in the military. I went in. Wow. Long story short, I went in because I want to fulfill the dreams of my dad. Second, I wanted to get my tuition paid. Third, I wanted to also protect the country. I never had kids. I never had actually somebody by blood that is related to me. But all these people who made me got here, mm-hmm. made me serve in the, in the military. I don't do it because I wanted to just show myself, but anyone can do it. You people who are outside this country, you can do it in a different way, whether it's in your own country, whether it's in a different country, as long as you are legally can do it, do the right thing. I don't encourage you people to do it in the wrong way, you know, joining some rebels or gangs and all that stuff. That's not worth it for a young person. Now, if you're working with young people, sometimes your word matters. I work with these students almost for the 14 years in Japan. These are young people, if I misled them, chances are they are going to do the wrong thing. But yes, I completed uh, my bachelor degree that's in psych. I went for master's degree and that was a bunch of them got paid by the military. I don't ask him more. Wow. You have such a service mentality. You have come from such humble beginnings and turned it into something so positive that you've given back in so many ways, not only in putting your life on the line by defending us through the military, but also then now serving young people and being able to share your story and your sense of hope and optimism with them. We have to take a short break, believe it or not. But when we come back, I would like to talk a little bit more about your youth work and what you think about all that. So we'll be right back after this short break. No matter how you support our young people, the professional youth worker powered by YIPA has your training and learning needs covered. Visit training.yipa.org. That's training.yipa.org to see for yourself and then join the thousands of youth workers around the globe who learn from our easy-to-access exceptional trainings. From our blogs to our podcast, the professional youth worker is your go-to resource for tools to help you keep going, keep learning, and keep growing. Members enjoy free unlimited access to live online and on-demand trainings and a preferred discount pricing for our one-of-a-kind certificate course. Annual memberships are ridiculously affordable for individuals and organizations. Visit training.yipa.org today to learn more. That's training.yipa.org. Francis, right before the break, we were talking about your service to young people. And I know one of the things you do is go around and just tell your story. What do you tell young people? What is the essence of your story? Is it about grit? Is it about determination? Is it about hope? What is it that you try to instill in them when you talk to groups of young people in schools and things? First thing I'll say, everybody has to have a hope. Hope of life, survive. Survival is the most important thing in your life. Yeah. Majority of the people, whether in the military, whether I'm in any environment or here at my school where I work with, sometimes people have no hope. I got one of my students, her brother got hurt or killed in North Minneapolis. Mm. And I'm looking at students from Myanmar. They were raised in a refugee camp. They never had a hope of being in the United States. And there are so many of them probably in Europe or anywhere in the world, whether you're working with the young people. And here I work with some of them. To tell the truth, there's so many kids that are 
adopted to this country in the United States from Eastern Europe, they cry all the time. I connect with them because I know how it is. Yeah. I know how refugee life is. I've been there. I've been in the tent. I know how desperate they feel. Some of my students cannot come to school because their parents back home need help. They need some money to get just a single meal. When you have a hope, you're going to make it through. I tell my students, wake up in the morning and look at the mirror and say, I look great, I'm strong, and I can make it to the next level. I got to believe your words of wisdom to young people really carries them forward in a meaningful way. You give so much to young people, but I know young people also teach us a lot about ourselves. Is there something that young people have taught you that you can share with us? What kinds of things have you learned about yourself in supporting young people? One thing, the young people, they wanted somebody who can listen to them. Give them an ear. Listen, even if you cannot help them, let them listen. I was once in Kampala, streets of Kampala with nothing. When I left my village and come to Kampala, I had a brother who's older than me, completed senior four, but then he was working for KCC. Uh, KCC is a Kampala City Council. He cannot afford to help me, but he listens to me and he tells me what I need to know about the city life in Kampala. Same thing with young people. When we listen to them, when we trust what they say, mm -hmm. when we believe that they tomorrow will be the leaders of this country, yes, that's what they need. And the hope goes to waste. Yeah. My grandma one time told me, move on, but look back and have a hope. Your grandma sounds like a wonderful person. She was. Francis, I get the feeling that you could have accomplished many things in this world with your sense of determination, your sense of optimism, and your desire to just prove that you can make it, that kind of commitment you have to your grandmother and to your father, it sounds like, too. You could have chose a lot of other paths in this life that maybe would have made you more money, maybe given you a little bit more recognition or a little fame, but you chose to serve young people. Why young people? What is it about that that drove you into doing this? To me, young people are the foundation and they are the future of the world. The future belongs to them. Sometimes we destroy young people, we'll tell them to go riot, and we'll tell them elections are rigged. You incite them to do bad stuff because you're misleading them to do the wrong thing and Yes, these are the future of the world. We don't want to destroy them. We don't want to mislead them. There's a way to bring young people to know what's right or wrong. And the foundation for us all in the world are the young people. Whether you like it or not, it's unfortunate that some wars that we have is destroying young people. Yes. We recruit them to fight. They get killed. In some developing country, you find somebody who's just 12 years old. Hmm. serving in the military. The mind is not for that. We're supposed to empower them to be a future leaders, but we're putting them into a wrong space where then they're getting hurt, where they're getting destroyed, unfortunate. But we still have to have a hope. You have such a beautiful mindset about what the world could be and how important it is to set the stage for the next generation. And to give of yourself and be focused on the future 
almost making a better world when you're not even here anymore. That's what you do. And it is just wonderful to connect with you about that. And I'm wondering when you work with young people, how do you define your success with them? Is it helping them to get a job and then move on? Or is it more about just trying to instill hope? Or is it all that stuff together? To me, it's everything plus encouraging them and Mm. tell them. To be honest, I came from everything, that bunch of these people. I've seen people who are wealthy. Like I said earlier, I I was in the street of Kampala. I work as a gate man. Gate man means you open a big gate so that the boss enter to that house. I work as a babysitter, but I have a hope that anything that I get from that job, the respect I give that person is going to earn me tomorrow to drive that car that the person drives. When I connect with these students who are refugees, it's the same way when I was a refugee somewhere back in East Africa. My dad was in the, during the time that there is luxury in Kampala or in Uganda back in the 70s, they are making money. But his life ended in a bad way. It's unfortunate that they misuse their funds. And this is the same thing with some rich people. You think their children are rich, but their parents have left them nothing. You can be from a rich family. You are the same like that person who is from a poor family. We only have one value, or two if you like. When you are born, that's a value. When you die, that's it. We're all the same, regardless how wealthy you are. And children or somebody working with youth encourage them. They're going to be great. Nobody wanted us to be the way it is. It's how life is. Nobody wanted Myanmar or Koranese to suffer in refugee camp without knowing their own home. Nobody wanted to see kids in Jamaica just having no food. That's why there's a hope. That's why there are people good out there that served me when I came to this country and got food. And now I'm able to give something out. Yeah. You care so deeply for others. It's just so transparent how much you give of yourself and how deeply you care about others. What's one thing that keeps you awake at night that you worry about young people today? Oh, that's a loaded question. Yeah. It's, it's again, depend on the country where you are. A lot of kids, young people are getting taken away. Their parents' powers, I was raised different. Mm-hmm. I believe you, you were raised different. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, we, I, I don't have time with my own kids. I'm at work eight hours probably. By the time I get home, everybody's exhausted. I wish I have enough time mm. to work with my students, to be with my my children, to be an uncle to my own nephews and nieces. At the time, it's not there. Young people, whether females or males, sometimes they don't even know. They have cramps and they wanted somebody to tell them what to do. Nobody's there. Mm-hmm. Parents, aunties are at work. People are locked up. Nobody's there to help them, to guide them. I wish we can go back, I don't know, 20 years, 30 years and be able, but it's not that way. But with the hope, I believe the future of our young people is going to be great. 
I hope those ones who are working with young people also will say, you're going to make it happen. You're going to be successful. I think it's interesting when I asked you what keeps you awake at night, part of your answer was, I don't have enough time to do everything I need to do. It was such an altruistic answer, a deep and meaningful answer that you gave. Thank you. You're welcome. You know, Francis, it's been just wonderful hearing your story. And I'm so grateful that you've opened up your heart and your soul to telling other young people about it in hopes that you can inspire them and encourage them to do great things with their world. And your story on The Passionate Youth Worker is exactly what we do The Passionate Youth Worker about. We all need to be inspired and we all need to give of ourselves the best that we can in the most unique way we can, because we have the power to change the lives of young people. It's not a small thing that we're doing here. It's a very important thing. And I'm so grateful that you came to the United States. You served our country well. You went to college. You got educated and you got educated in a way just to give back to other people. So thank you for all you've done. And thank you for being a guest on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Francis, before we go, I always like to give the guest the last words. So what words of wisdom or inspiration would you like to leave with the listeners? First, but not the last, I would say for those people, more especially my young people from West Africans taking a dangerous route to Europe, getting drawn or crossing to Libya, please think about it. I know how tough it is in your home country. For those who are crossing the desert, whether through South America to cross to United States, sometimes it's not worth it. I made it here not through the wrong way. You can do it from your own country. You can survive than crossing those oceans or rivers or anything to bring you out of your country. Please believe on yourself too. You can make it. Whenever you walk up in the morning, look at the mirror and say, thank you. Whoever you're going to thank, whether it's your God, whether yourself, say thank you. Validate yourself. Don't wait for your mom to say you look great. Don't wait for somebody to say your hair is great. Don't look at somebody else until the day that somebody don't say you look great, you're in trouble. Please believe on yourself. You will be successful in this world and do the right thing. Say, I love you, son. I love you, man. I love somebody. I love my country. The leaders may not be the one that you want, but leaders are living. You, the young people, will make it happen. Do the right thing. Don't get misled. And I really, really feel honored to be here to share my story. I wish I can say more. And I wanted you guys to take it from me that without you, there's nobody who's going to listen. So listen to my story and other people who are going to give you. Thank you so much, sir. I really appreciate being here. You, the rest in the world, whether I do not mention your country, be blessed. If you would like to share your passion for youth work, we'd love to spotlight you as a guest. If you have feedback about the show, please let us know. Just visit training.yipa.org. That's training.yipa.org and click on the podcast tab. This podcast is made possible in part due to a generous contribution from M Health Fairview. I'm your host, Paul Muneer. 
Thanks for listening to The Passionate Youth Worker. 